Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, the host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. I'm so happy that you found This Week in the Word at www.dredhill.podbean.com. This is the episode for Sunday, July 30th, 2023. Hope for Hard Times, Episode 4, A Champion's Mindset. You know, as we said already at least once in this new series we're in from First and Second Peter, there's no crown before a cross. No crown before a cross. Suffering precedes glory. And all of this was certainly true in the earthly ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we mentioned last week that there are, uh, there's more than one source of suffering. Some of the sources of suffering are, number one, human. There are some things that in this fallen world are common to all people. Number two, there's things from the natural realm, maybe a tornado, an earthquake, the hot sun, making you thirsty, are examples. And then, of course, there's the spiritual realm. And Satan is definitely responsible for a ton of suffering in the spiritual realm. So we've, we've mentioned that. Now, I'm going to give you an example that happened to me this week. And before you laugh about it and say, Pastor Ed, you're crazy, I want you to think about what the implications are about this story that I'm about to tell you. It's a true story. happened to me. This week, after a very long day, and I don't think I had even eaten lunch or breakfast that day, just little knickknacks, but not, not the meal of the day. I had not eaten. So I stopped by a restaurant locally, for, and I got a steak and potato. That was a special that night, and it's pretty good there. So after I sat down and I'd eaten a little bit, Without going into detail, I needed to step away from the table briefly. And I, I was gone nine minutes tops. So I come back. Now I'm eating alone that night. So I come back and to my utter amazement, my almost totally non-eaten steak and potato had been removed and thrown in the trash. So, well, they probably thought you were gone. You'd be wrong. And I'll tell you why you'd be wrong. See, I used to work in a restaurant when I was a teenager. You'd be wrong because they left my cup of tea, you know, that was half empty, and a personal item on the table. So they knew I was still there. My steak and potato were thrown away and had not even been eaten. It hadn't even been on the table for probably eight minutes before I stepped away. That is simply amazing. Now, I didn't get angry. I didn't go to the manager and all that. I just was blown away with that. <laughs> but then I started thinking about the entire day. And I remembered, I remembered this. This is a true story now. I remember this, that that day the Lord had used me, I think in the morning and then again in the afternoon to present Jesus Christ to two people, two different people, who needed to hear about Jesus Christ. And then I started thinking about that more, and I thought, you know what? 
That could well have been payback from the enemy kingdom. Oh yeah, you're going to share Jesus? Watch what we can do. And I just, I just let it go because I realize now it's definitely not equal to dying for your faith, obviously, or fleeing for your life in persecution. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying on a level, it was like, okay, I see what happened here. I understand. And, I, and you know what? I came away from that saying, I will gladly lose my meals in order to serve Christ. Amen. And that's what I think happened then. That's what I think. Now, if trials and more of them are going to start to be the normal Christian life, especially for Christians in America and Western Europe, and, and, and it's already like that around the world, then how can we turn trials into triumphs? Well, here's part of a long answer. We can train for trials. Pastor Ed, I don't even want trials, much less train for them. Well, I want you to think about it this way. The CIA, yes, the Central Intelligence Agency, sends their clandestine service people, that's their secret agents, to the farm. Now, you'll have to look up what the farm is in CIA lingo. But at the farm, they learn a lot about spying. One of the things they learn about is how to, how to be mistreated and possibly even tortured and how to get through it. The armed forces of the United States of America, especially the razor's edge of our armed forces like SEALs, Rangers, Marines, have a SEER school, um, survival, evasion, resistance, and escape so that if they're taken captive by op forces, the enemy, they can make it through that with honor. And among the SEER schools, there's several, I think five locations, and that SEER is S-E-R-E for survival, evasion, resistance, like if they're captured, and uh, escape, okay? There's three levels of that. But the third level, level C, is where they can even basically be beaten up and mistreated as prisoners of the SEER school so they can toughen them up so if they ever end up in that situation, actually, is no big deal. They've already been through it. And you know what? Even the Air Force, the Air Force has its own version of SEAL, or SEER, rather, and that's where the airmen learn to make it through tough times like less than the best accommodations at five-star military posts. <laughs> I'm just kidding for you Air Force people. Are they laughing? Are the Air Force people laughing? <laughs> Don't bomb me, please. <laughs> all right, I'm just kidding you. I love all of our military. But listen, as believers in the Lord Jesus in an increasingly dark and troubling world, we can train for trials and turn them into triumph so that we can exchange our earthly troubles for heavenly treasures one day. 
All right, people, listen up and listen well. Here's the bottom line up front. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So if you're saying, well, well, I'm a Christian and I'm not going through anything. Well, if you're a real Christian, you're going through something. Like I said, you may not be fleeing for your life, but you're paying a price somehow, somewhere, and it's going to become more and more evident as we go farther in this life. Now, depending on how close or far away my personal death might be, or our rapture, the rapture of the church may be, I can expect trials and more of them as the world stage is being set for the 70th week of Daniel, the time of Jacob's trouble, the tribulation. That time is coming, I mean, it is just rushing at the world right now. So many things that have to occur are happening at the same time. As one of my episodes two or three weeks ago, about three weeks ago, uh, I talked about rapture ready, imminence and convergence. There, there are more things happening, like wave upon wave right now, that I wouldn't be surprised if the rapture is far closer than we could possibly imagine. Now, I'm going to give you an example of some of the ways in the West, for certain, that we could suffer. Have you ever heard of an ESG score? You might have, but I'll guarantee you corporations have heard of it. And what it stands for is environmental, social, governance. In other words, three areas where businesses and then individuals are going to be scored to how closely they do what they're told. That's the basic idea. And it's a social credit system that is being absolutely perfected by the Chinese Communist Party in China, and it is coming here sooner or later. And one of the components of that to really make it stick and work is getting rid of cash. Because when I can take my check and cash it at the bank, that's not really trackable. And I can spend it however I want, and I've got it. It's, it may not be worth much, but it's real. It's in my hands. I control it. But when cash is taken off of the earth and all money becomes digital, and that's what central bank digital currencies are going to be, then if I don't have a high enough ESG score, then I can lose some of my money or all of my money or access to my money and I can be forced, or they can try, to force me to do what they want. And then you couple that with the 15-minute cities that are beginning to be built, and I think there's even some that are operational now around the world, but this is a wave of the future you can see that basically the world is becoming one large prison and we're not running it. 
The enemies of God are running it. Now, let me brighten your day even more. And we're going to get to the Bible, but I want you to think about the Bible in light of things we're seeing all around us now. Thinkers, and yes, there are people who actually think. They see things, they mull them over in their mind, they compare them with history, with scripture, with science, and they, they just think about it and begin to understand what's happening. But thinkers among Christians and conservatives and strategists among Christians and conservatives, listen carefully, believe that the op force, that's the progressive left, has a list, I mean, not like a paper list, but there could be one, but they, they know of 20 plus million Americans that they know are influencers and activists against the new world order and the global reset. It's all the same. They know who we are. Now, there may be 19,999,999 people ahead of me, but I'm pretty sure I'm on that list. And if I'm not, I'd be very disappointed. I'm not doing enough, apparently. And you know who else is on that list? Other Bible-preaching pastors. Now, a growing number of pastors are like no threat. I mean, they're, they're behind all this. They're with it. You know, you know, put me down. I'm wearing my little sticker that I did what you told me to do. But Bible preaching pastors, real Christians, and even patriots who might not even believe in God, some of them, but Bible preaching pastors, Christians and conservative patriots, and, and anybody else who the op force, that's Satan and the progressive left, and the New World Order and the Global World Economic Forum, WEF, all of those, it's all really the same thing. They know who they need to neutralize, imprison, or disappear. And that word disappear is used as a verb, like the Soviet Union used to disappear dissidents, and people who didn't go along with the Communist Party line, some car would roll up in the middle of the night and that person would be hustled out of their house, never seen or heard from again. That's being disappeared. Say, well, that's crazy. That kind of thing can't happen here. Hey, listen, it's already starting here. It starts first with things like cancel culture and uh, woke mobs and mob mentality. Go back to 1930, Hitler, Germany. It's, it's all following the same progression. And it always does in every single country or culture where this happens. And it's happened repeatedly in the 20th century and in the 21st century. Think of North Korea. 
communist China, many other places around the world under Islamic control, for example. It doesn't just have to be political, it can be religious. Oh no, Pastor Ed, have you abandoned our, our blessed hope, the pre-trib rapture of the church? Read my lips. Audio speaking. Nope, no way. But Christians have already been suffering worldwide since the first century. It's been going on in the 20th century and it's going on now in the 21st century. All right, I want to tell you a bedtime story, boys and girls, because I know this is getting deep. This bedtime story ties in with the concept we're talking about today of a champion's mindset. Many of you are old enough to remember the name Norman Schwarzkopf. Yes, General Stormin Norman Schwarzkopf of the first Gulf War. What a great leader he was and warrior. Before that war was launched against Saddam Hussein, he had to negotiate water rights with Bedouin tribes in the desert. Now, an interesting thing about General Schwarzkopf that many people don't even know is he was raised for a while in Saudi Arabia. Well, how is that, Pastor Ed? I think his dad worked for Exxon. He worked for a petroleum company. So he grew up in this culture. He understood this culture very well. And he knew that in order to be successful in negotiating for water rights with the Bedouin chieftains, so that his armies would have water, that he would have to go meet with them and they would offer him the best they had. That was a sheep. And his job, in order to seal the deal, would be to accept the very best of the best, the sheep's eyeball. And eat it. <laughs> so, how did he do it? Well, he practiced. <laughs> I don't know if he literally practiced just prior to this, but, but he understood what it would take. And whether he did it actually or mentally, he, he went through it over and over in his mind. And when they brought out at this great feast in these, the tents that they were in, and they placed this sheep before him, he popped out that sheep's eyeball and woofed it down in a New York minute. And let me tell you, buddy, they were impressed. And the deal was sealed and the water rights were granted. We've got to train. That's what we have to do. Now listen carefully to me. And if you're saying right now, Pastor Ed, I was all happy that I was saved and everything, but this is getting scary. Well, you may feel right now like Private Benjamin, where Private Benjamin, Goldie Hawn, goes in the army, and she says to somebody along the way, uh, this is not the army I signed up for. 
you know, when it gets hard because she was taken in by the recruiters. That's the recruiter's job, by the way, <laughs> to take people in and just get them to sign on the dotted line on that contract, right? But anyway, uh, she has signed up for the be all you can be and go see the world and all that stuff. But being in the Army is hard. <laughs> but that's what we have to do. And I want you to realize that this is even backed up for us in the book of Hebrews. Listen, in the first century, Christians suffered to varying degrees, yes, sometimes severely, sometimes not so severely, but they paid a price to be a Christian. And guess what? Even though there will be a pre-tribulation rapture of the church, and I'm thinking, man, it could be pretty soon. Whenever it is, up until that time, we will, we will suffer in the 21st century to greater or lesser degrees. Now, if it gets really thick in the United States and Western Europe, something we're not used to, we can lose jobs, we can lose our homes. But, but, Pastor Ed, I spent my whole life buying that home. Let me say it again. We can lose our homes we can lose our food, hello, clothing, shelter, friends. See, part of the, uh, what, what is it again? I had to read what they're going to try to put on. It's the Environmental Social Governance, the ESG score, the social credit system, which uh, is housed on the phone, is if you're too near somebody who's got a low score, you want to get away from them because you don't want to get rated lower yourself. You might lose money or lose your job. So we could lose friends. We could lose family members. Listen, people, we could lose our lives. But you know what? This is something I was, I was, are you tracking with me? This is something I was thinking about this week. What what have I really got in a job or a house or anything or even anyone that I think I have that is greater than Jesus Christ? Some of the early Christians, and this still happens today around the world from place to place, had to hide in the woods and the forest to escape persecution. Go and read Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11, I believe, is where it would be a great place to go read. The Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11. And find out what people who love Jesus were forced to do. But I was thinking through all of this this week, and I was thinking, you know what? So what if I lost my job or my home or my food or my clothing or shelter or friends or even my family or my life if at the end I have Jesus Christ and I'm guaranteed heaven and an inheritance in heaven and to rule with him?
Whatever we're going through now just doesn't even compare to what awaits us. And we saw some of that in the last episode about our inheritance that nothing can happen to because he's guarding it for us and we will never lose it. Now, all I've got to do with him living in me is make it one more minute, one more hour, just one more day, one more week, one more month, one more year, one more decade, one life. And no matter how long it is, I'm going to be with Jesus and I'm a champion because he's my savior. Now in this episode, we're almost done actually. We're going to see that with a champion's mindset, we can turn our trials and troubles and tribulations into triumphs, ultimately. Now, a champion's mindset we're going to see is this, that God is in control. No matter what happens to me, God is in control, and I'm under his control. And my uplook shapes my outlook, and it can never be the other way around. If you let your outlook shape the way you look at life and you lose your outlook, I mean, emotionally, you will be doomed. But let your outlook to Jesus shape your outlook. Now let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to go back to two verses we saw last week, and we're going to look at... Um, Three more verses today that are new. First Peter chapter one, starting in verse eight. Now it's talking about Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith even the salvation of your souls. Verse nine there, receiving the, the end, that is the goal, the result, the destination, the place where we're heading to, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Is there anything greater than that? Amen. Verse 10, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you 
with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. All right, let's go back to verse 10. This salvation that was mentioned in verse 9, he says here the prophets. Who's that? The Old Testament prophets like Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and so on. He said that that they really dug into this and tried to understand it. And they, they prophesied about this grace that would come, but they, they understood enough to know that it was going to come to, I don't know if they would have called it that or not, but the church, the bride of Christ, the one new man, the Jew and Gentile who believe in Christ, and we become one new man in Christ. We are the church, the bride of Christ. That was the salvation they prophesied about. In verse 11, it says, searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify. In other words, what, when is this going to happen? What season is this going to take place? Who is affected by this? Now notice there, by the way, this is beautiful. <laughs> Searching water, what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify. This shows us the eternality of Jesus Christ because the Spirit of Christ was in them and he was showing them these things. Jesus Christ didn't begin when he was born in Bethlehem, he is God. He's always been pre-existent. Now, I can't understand that, but I believe that because it's true. But look here in verse 11, searching water, what manner of time the spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Like you read the book of the prophet Isaiah. You could call Isaiah the gospel of Isaiah. That would be very accurate. A lot of what he writes is clearly about the church age and the Lord Jesus Christ and the glory that, that will be, you know, when he returns in the millennial kingdom and the eternal state. Now, in verse 12, we see that they, they, were, they were shown enough that they understood this, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things, listen to this, which things the angels desire to look into. Do you know what that that is a word picture and it paints a picture. Do you know what it means? The angels, they kick the, we're talking about the good angels now. They cannot possibly understand what it is to be lost, okay? Or to have sin, you know, within themselves. 
Uh, but, the, but the whole idea of, of needing to be redeemed, okay, that is just not part of their makeup. Now, they are incredibly, they crave to understand this. It is so interesting to the angels in heaven. They desire to look into this. And you, the word picture is they are dropping to their knees. Uh, think of maybe like a baby's cradle. That would be a good picture. They're dropping to their knees and they are looking into that cradle to understand. That's how eager and desirous the angels are to understand what it means to be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. But it's something that we can understand. Amen. The angels are so interested in this. Verse 13. Now, he's just talked about this salvation. And, and prior to verse 8, in last week's episode, we saw about the inheritance. We can't lose, people, if we're believers in Jesus Christ. I don't care what happens to us. Our salvation cannot be taken away and our inheritance cannot be taken away. We, because of Jesus, are champions and we can have a champion's mindset. Like, I know it's just a little thing, but when I realize, <laughs> I think ultimately Satan had somebody throw my steak and potato away. I mean, it's just a little thing. I know that. But, it, but it's, it's a symbol of something. It was like, all right, I'll do everything I did today, even if every time I do it, that's the end result. At the end of the day, I will share Jesus. Amen, amen, and amen. And if Satan can only throw away my steak and baked potato, I, I'm a winner. <clears throat> There's no other way to look at it. I mean, yeah, I realize other things can happen to us, but our salvation cannot be taken. Our inheritance, God's guarding that for us. We will not lose it. Whatever our job may be in the millennium in administrating the government of Christ on the earth. So why does that need to be done? Well, remember, the people who live through the tribulation who are believers in Christ, they're the only ones who go into the millennium. Jew or Gentile, they're it, all right? So they go in, but they're gonna have, they go in in their natural bodies and they're gonna have children and grandchildren and all of that. Everybody born to them is not automatically become a Christian. They all have to decide, just like people do now, to bend the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. Some will, some won't. And you have to go back to our study in Revelation recently to know more about that. But somebody is going to be used by the Lord to help govern this world. Guess what? We get to help do it. Now, I may just be a dog catcher in the government of Christ on the earth, but I'm going to be the best dog catcher the millennial kingdom has ever seen. How about you? And I'm training for that right now. And I don't know what the Lord will have me do. It excited me the other day to realize Apparently, I will still be able to teach and preach to all these little rebels born to the people who, who enter into the millennial kingdom. Somebody's going to have to tell them to bend the knee. 
And I'm sure multitudes will. But anyway, you see what I'm saying there. So now the, the mindset is this, a champion's mindset. Peter gets, Peter gets very direct here. He'd be a great drill instructor. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. That's the first thing. What does that mean? It means to, hey, get control of yourself. Hey, do you remember in those old 1940s movies, the black and whites, somebody would just lose it and become frantic, and the other guy was slapping, pow, 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 snap out of it, man. And what would the other guy always say in the movies? Thank you, I needed that. That's what Peter's doing right here. He's, come on, man, get a grip on yourself. Buck, buckle your chin strap. You know, like I said before, buckle up, buttercup. Come on. We're in the big leagues. This is time to gird up the loins of your mind. Now, what does that mean? Well, gird up the loins. You know, they wore those long robes, and you have to cinch it up, tuck it in the belt, so if you had to run somewhere or do some work, you wouldn't trip all over it and make a spectacle of yourself. So gird up, that idea, but what is he talking about here? Wherefore, gird up the loins of your what? The, the clothes I'm wearing? That's not what he's talking about. Gird up the loins of what? Your mind. What you think about, how you think about life and things that are going on and the Lord's will and what's happening to you and how you're going to respond. Gird up the loins of your mind. Think through some things. If this happens, it with Christ's strength, what am I going to do? What would I say? How will I handle this? Now, you won't know all the answers, but it's good to, to run through those exercises sometime. If my boss came in tomorrow and said, you either choose working for our company or you choose Christ, you choose the day before you leave. You sh your mind should already be made up if you ever face that. You should already know with the strength of Christ that you would say, hey, it's been nice working for you. Bye. I'm going with Jesus. Amen. Now, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. I mean, don't, don't be frantic and disorganized and chaotic about all this stuff. I mean, Trust in God, amen? But you gotta start putting the word of God into your heart and mind. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober. Now, we think of that like, hey, don't get drunk. Well, that certainly would be a good aspect. <laughs> you know, the Bible doesn't, well, let me put it this way. The Bible does condemn drunkenness for sure. Now, I don't drink at all. Last last beer I ever tasted uh, was probably when I was about 16 years old. That's it. It's just not part of my life. So are you judging me, Pastor Ed? Oh, maybe. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I don't know if you think you can do it or not, but I'm not grown up enough yet to handle that. So I don't want to do anything that, it, that brings shame on the Lord Jesus Christ or embarrasses him. And I want to be under the control of the Holy Spirit, not spirits like beer and alcohol and all that, or drugs, or anything that controls me like that. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober. That's like, man, just 
Get serious, all right? And hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So listen, a champion's mindset is, hey, God's in control and I'm under his control. And and I'm gonna keep my outlook going on so my outlook doesn't get me down, right? We're not minimizing the insanity that we are living in and it's only gonna get worse. We, we admit this is a nutty world and it's getting nuttier by the day. And it's gonna get a little more dangerous by the day. I hope the rapture comes next week. If not next week, maybe next month, maybe next year. I don't know when it's coming, but man, when I look around, I'm thinking like, I don't know how much longer it could be. Everything is almost in place for what we read in the book of the Revelation, especially Revelation 13, for all of this stuff to just, just uh, you know, fire up and start going. And if you don't realize that, you need to read the book of the Revelation. You need to start reading the newspaper. Amen. Well, listen, I'm done today. Have a champion's mindset. And because of the Lord Jesus Christ, with his grace and help, we'll get through this, not on our own, but with him. Thanks for listening to today. today. If you feel encouraged or scared, having listened to this episode, I want you to like the episode. Follow the podcast and share this episode right now with someone else who needs to hear it. Hey, listen, thanks for dropping in today. As I often say, if I don't die my personal death or the rapture doesn't happen, or Satan, the World Economic Forum, the Global Reset people, or anybody else who hates me doesn't double tap me, if none of that happens, I'll be back next week with episode five of Hope for Hard Times. God bless you. Bye-bye.